Welcome back to A Place Called Porch. Today we've got Amanda Montgomery with us, who is our Family Services Director. Amanda, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you all for having me and being able to discuss some of the issues that we face in Family Services and our community. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to kind of delving into some of that. Um, I don't know if you remember or not, but once upon a time, whenever we had... um, Frank McClowski yes. here. He had me on the domestic violence. Um, it's not a steering committee. What uh, we have a task force, task a domestic force. violence task that's force. Right, yes. That's right. I was like, it. Feel, it sounded like very action oriented. <laughs> um, and whenever he had reached out to me, I was like, I don't feel qualified mm-hmm. to do this. I don't feel like like I don't have any previous experience that, you know, from an educational standpoint or even a personal standpoint where I felt like I could really contribute. But what I found in stepping out on a limb and just, you know, participating in it is I found out a lot of information and in turn, it has allowed me through the years to be able to help other people. Right. And, and even from just an educational standpoint too, Um, And so Family Services this month is uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month, correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, Every October, we highlight uh, domestic violence as an abuse and prevention awareness month. So due to COVID, you know, we're tired of saying that, but the past couple of years, we have not been able to be out in the community as much as we would have liked to have been, but we are still trying to spread the message, get information out. We've actually decorated our building, so if you happen to even drive by in the evenings, we even have some purple lights surrounding our building. Purple is um, the color for DV awareness, so we've done some outreach Informations. We're also partnering with our Boys and Girls Club more, so we're even getting the children involved, starting to raise awareness at earlier ages so that they start to recognize good relationships, bad relationships, that if we can focus more on a prevention side, then maybe we can actually prevent DV because it does seem like a cycle once if you grew up witnessing DV, then that becomes normal in your household. And if you don't know what a healthy relationship is, then abuse to you might be normal when to someone else it's not. That's such a good point to make, Amanda. And I'm really glad that y'all are doing that because one thing that I learned in some of my communications classes, um, I took an interpersonal communication class. And that's one thing that they really speak about is how your family of origin, which is the family, whether it's biological or not, but what you are raised in becomes your reference for what normal is. And if you are never exposed to what actual healthy relationships look like, then you do think that X, Y, and Z, whether it's domestic violence or alcohol abuse or drug abuse, you know, just pick one, right? But you think that is okay and that is normal because that's all you know. You don't know anything different. So I applaud y'all for doing that. That is really smart forward thinking. Yeah, and we're trying to definitely next year, we want to be out more in the community again just because we have... We have more resources, and I'm so thankful that our tribe does support us in these areas because we have more resources than probably the state or your average agency that helps people. And so we help in all areas. It can be domestic violence. It may be 
um, sexual assault. It could be adult abuse. It could be child abuse. So there's a lot of just different avenues, like you mentioned, drug abuse and different things. So usually if someone also has a substance abuse problem in the home, that also leads to physical abuse, at least to violence, um, it, it's control. And one thing we are really noticing in the younger generation, and I can say that now because I'm <laughs> getting older and I feel like an old lady when I say that, but the younger generation is so much more connected to their cell phones, social media, wanting approval. I mean, just getting, which it could be anybody at any age, but it is younger ages now seem to be finding their self-worth through everything on their cell phone and technology and social media. And so we see a lot of control. So usually domestic violence doesn't start out with, physical abuse. It starts out with more even emotional. It can be mental. Um, We have counseled people that they said they would rather actually be hit and abused physically than go through years and years of mental abuse and emotional abuse. And so there's a lot of teenagers that even start now where their, their partner, their relationship, whoever they're dating, they tell them where to go, who they can talk to, who they can text, who who you can look at, who you can sit beside. And I think it's more controlling now than what even I remember growing up. And it's and a lot of it is led through through cell phone, I think, because if you're talking to the wrong person or this and that and when it's funny, but it's not funny. It's funny to watch how kids let each other control them. But then it just starts a bad cycle. You sure. can track people on your phone. You can do all these things. And so if someone really is tech savvy, there's a lot that they can do to stalk you, to find out your personal information, and not just in kids, but it's just it's getting worse, I think, too, more on how people get creative mm-hmm. in their ways to abuse, stalk, or control people. Which is wild because I, I know from me kind of getting, in, like being part of that generation where social media all of a sudden becomes a big mm-hmm. thing, right? You take for granted all of the ways that social media influences and impacts your life. Right. And even to the extent of it tracks everything. And I know for me, I never realized, again, until I took a class, <laughs> that, you know, your social media and all of these apps that you have on your phone, it's tracking all your activity. And so um, me and my husband have joked about like, oh, I was just talking about such and such, and all of a sudden I saw an ad on my phone on Facebook about that exact thing that I was looking for. Yeah. And it's like, coincidence? I think not. Algorithms? Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, we've just heard so many crazy stories, and even I went to some domestic violence training, because uh, that's where I began in family services. That was my actual first position in family services was the DV. Um, the abuse prevention coordinator. So how, how let's let's start there, Amanda. Though, uh, well, let's go back a little bit to talk about you know. So first of all, how do you you're connected to Porch because mm-hmm. yes, um, I am a tribal member and I I did grow up in the Atmore area, but my father worked for the railroad, so there were a few years um, in my my early days that we did not live here, but. Um, my dad, um, Lamar Martin, and my grandparents, Otha Marie Martin and 
great grandparents. So both of we can go down the whole line. But they, <laughs> both of my grandparents' families were raised here in in Port, in the heart of Port, and so my father and my mother both were raised in Atmore in the community, and then we just moved a, off a little bit, and then I was I was raised in Atmore, so here, so I'm from this area. So you're just deeply connected, mm-hmm. deeply rooted here, um, and so how did you get involved in family services? Um, I will have to attribute that also probably to my grandparents and my parents, both of them. My, If you knew my grandfather, Otha Martin, he farmed and just was always a giver and helping everyone in the community. My grandparents' house was always open. They, I have watched them growing up helping anybody and everyone. I watched them feed people who did not have food. I've seen my parents. Um, a lot of it is... Um, we were raised in church. It, um, we come from a strong Christian-rooted family, and we helped each other. I've seen my parents do the same thing, and all of my family, really a lot of our family is also in ministry, and it it just kind of all flowed together. So we have jobs with really, or I do, not all of us, but a lot of us, we really have jobs that line up with what we would be doing anyway so and even the family services staff there's a lot of our staff that also you work in the community you serve in the the church we help people on a regular basis so it actually comes naturally really just for most of us because that's what we do in our our families just it's help people yeah it's who we are it's who you are Mm -hmm. so it's it's a natural um extension you know, of your personality and of just your makeup and how you were raised and um, just really the culture and tradition that you were raised in in this community um, is what it sounds like to me. How long have you been working for the tribe, Amanda? Um, I started working for the tribe in 2009, so we're going on a little over oh, 12, 13 years <laughs> now. So it, it's been a little while, and the majority of my time I have been in family services. I have also worked in education department as well as the cultural department so that's right you do work mm-hmm. in cultural yep. for a little bit it's it's really you know i tell you it's crazy i um was checking my mailbox the other day here at the our inner office mail system here at, at tribal government and i had received a like a big old manila envelope and i'm like i wasn't expecting anything what is this girl it was my little 10 year certificate with my <laughs> Um, little cup holder thing or yeah. pencil holder thing for ten years. I was like, I can't believe I've been here for ten years. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I know, I know. It's wild. How I mean, they say time flies when you're having fun. I can't say it's always been yeah. giggles, but never a dull moment. That's what it is. <laughs> That's it. It's not monotonous, right? Um. So, what do you think? drew you to work specifically in domestic violence or well family services I should say because I understand like giving back to the community and all of that but I mean a family services is a real heavy area it it is um like mentally and emotionally mm -hmm. and um it you have to be a really like mentally strong person Because you see and deal with, I imagine, a lot of very heavy stuff. We do. We do. And look, I'm not going to have a breakdown and cry in here, but (laughs) 
I might, but when when you when you say that, like a lot of people don't realize it, and I think a lot of people, even in our community and even at work here, don't truly even know what all we do. Um, there are some people who work here, and and you know because you have been involved. I'm ready. Well, Amanda, emergency, emergency. (laughs) (laughs) You just never know what's going to happen around here. Um, Well, thank you for being patient with us as we were waiting on the little fire alarm. We have testing, so that's a good thing um, that we have our fire alarm systems tested so we're all safe. Um, Thank you, April Sales and the (laughs) firefighters for taking care of us. Um, But what we were talking about is just how heavy family services can be. And how how you deal with that, and what all that entails, and what that looks like. Yeah, I think I was I was just about to say that I don't know that people that work here that are in this community truly even fully know what all family services does as a whole, just because. The nature of our work it's confidential, and we just don't discuss a lot of. You know, the things that we do, we try to protect um, our clients, the information. We do try to protect the information that we receive, the scenarios, the drama, the good, the bad, the ugly. And, I mean, we do try to protect it. That That is a challenge in a small community, especially um, on a reservation and tribe, because most everyone is connected or you're related. So that, that can be some challenges also. But it can also be a good thing because when you know family you may know how to also better assist people. A lot of what we do, um, well, I'm just having a flashback, so I'm trying to think of how to word this correctly, but my day can go from we can receive a report. We received actually a report one morning, 5 o'clock in the morning. We have to go out to a home. A child is left alone. Neighbors hear them crying. So we have to check on a child abuse and neglect report at 5 a.m. We come in. We have an event for a domestic violence thing. Then we may receive a report of domestic violence. Then we have people who call us to ask for shelter. So we also have a couple of shelter facilities that we operate. Um, we They can be for victims of abuse or homeless and people in need as well. Then we have elders, and a lot of the abuse and neglect that we receive reports on related to elders, a lot of that is actually, it's either withholding medical care and people won't help them get the assistance that they need, or we have elders who don't want to address sometimes financial exploitation by family members. That one is a hard one to prove because if they're of sound mind and different things, so there are fewer laws, it's sad to say, to protect elders because if you're in your right state of mind and you're allowing a person to do something, it's harder than where we have a lot of laws in place to protect children. So mm-hmm. if you're a child and you don't have any control, that it's a lot more that we kind of can jump on quickly and address. Um, then we also have programs that we operate in family services that help people with financial assistance. So if they have a loss of income, a reduction of income, some type of emergency, medical, um, that we can also assist people with paying like basic utilities to help them get through a financial hump. 
Um, I'm getting tired just talking about it. But all well, of this, and then you add a hurricane on top of that. We also have. <laughs> we're right here in hurricane <laughs> season currently because mm-hmm. we're not to time stamp us too much, but we're right here in the early part mm-hmm. of October. So we're in hurricane season. And, you know, hurricane just came through Florida. Um, and so that's another big brunt. Like I know that that always hits y'all. I, I shouldn't say always, but there's, you know, oh, several is. years. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cuss word. We don't say the H word. We do not like, like we, we made it through, through COVID fine, through the lockdown and see our department never stop because it's really hard to do that remotely. Social sure. services just does not stop. Right. And then we also, we were actually very fortunate also to be able to assist some people during that time if people had COVID and were in quarantine we provided food boxes we do have even emergency some food items on hand so if we have people walk in that just need food Uh, we used to do a lot of vouchers that we really don't do anymore um just because it was kind of just hard to keep up with those financially but we we help people if they have major medical issues going out of town some financial assistance to get there it i guess it's a little bit of everything but but back to where i think we originally started was just dealing with these types of situations i will say that i can kind of even notice when it's taking a toll on me personally when it's also taken a toll on our staff because I I try to be very aware of that. And I know everyone is not called to do what we do. Mm-hmm. I know everyone is not called to do what several of our staff members do. And you can kind of recognize pretty quickly when we get into these roles, we even started identifying in the interviews. No matter what staff position you are coming into family services as, We let everybody know on the front side, this is a department that helps people. You may have to go in a home at any given moment. Sometimes we send multiple people. We don't like to put our staff at risk. We help coordinate people who have even um, the drug and addiction, mental health issues, we run our largest program that we run also is our respite care program where we provide um, the tribe pays for a program where we pay agencies to send in caregivers and they sit with um, elders or disabled uh, tribal members and families and so that can be 40 to 50 hours a week but we outsource that but we still coordinate those programs and there, there's quite a few people in those programs, and that's another aspect that people really don't, I think, know that take, can take such a toll on our department because the amount of death that our community has seen over the last probably two and a half to three years, it's heartbreaking. Again, I'm not going to cry because I've had I've lost my grandmother this year, but okay, I am going to cry, but I'm not. Um. Oh, it's it's been a tough it's yeah. been a tough couple of years, Amanda. I mean, and it has. <laughs> you know, and I think that touches on another thing that I wanted to ask you about too. When you give so much of yourself to this community, that is, oh, by the way, it's your family too. Oh, right, right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you can deplete yourself easily. And that doesn't apply just for you. Mm -hmm. It applies for your staff, too. And y'all see a lot of 
things, you hear a lot of things, you're involved in a lot of things, and you're usually like kind of that first point of contact Mm -hmm. in a very critical situation. And how do you all take care of yourselves and your mental health? Because I think that's another trend that we have seen in more recent years is it's not just about how much you can exercise and your physical health and eating healthy. There's your your holistic health yeah. is comprised of that physical aspect, but also that mental aspect. Mm, it is. And so how do you um, help take care of yourself from a mental aspect? And, and are there things that you and your staff do to take care of yourselves mentally as well? Well, and, and I do, like I say, it. you can notice when the weight is there, when the heaviness is there, and if especially if there's a lot of death. And like in our adult services area, a lot of people forget, too, when we work this closely with people every day, your clients become your family. So sure. whether they're your immediate family or not, you, they still become your family. And so when you're used to talking to someone and you watch them decline, and it, it's hard. But I will say, while uh, we get emotional, and I'm even having a little moment, but we love big, we celebrate big, so... We do try to celebrate the good, too, and not just focus on the bad. When I can tell the staff is kind of just spreading out and we're just getting far or we're getting ill, because I can feel it myself. And we we bring it back in. We try to – I just try to have a fun day, a fun time. We'll do some activities as a whole. I tell my staff also at every event – and, okay, we'll add this to the list. We also host several community events. That's right. And I was going to touch on that because so, it's, not all, it's not all gloom and doom right. and just helping people. There's also a fun aspect to family services that helps really bring the community mm-hmm. together and celebrate the community, the kids. Yes. Y'all have an Easter event. Mm-hmm. Y'all have a fall event. Yes. Um, and then y'all do the Chris, kids' Christmas yes. event. Yes. yes. Yeah. And – um. Especially the fall and kids' Christmas, there's usually a thousand or more people that come to that event, each of those events. And so that's one good thing. And I think that's why I'm glad I was able to work in social services for the tribe because we can do the positive and the fun things along with um, the case management and other things. Because when a family, whether it is from grandparents, great-grandparents, all the way down. You have a multi-generational event that people can come to, enjoy in a safe environment where you don't have to worry about your children, you don't have to worry about things. It doesn't cost you a lot of money. We we laugh and joke and, you know, say bouncers, hot dogs, and, and candy go a long way just, you know, for kids having a good day. And when that takes the stress off a parent, the kids are just having fun. Grandparents can just enjoy their kids. So we, we get joy out of that as well. We have some creative people that do. We just, we love it as well. Oh, yeah. So. And, I mean, you know, just a little mm-hmm. tidbit here, but I may or may not have several years worth of pictures <laughs> sitting in Santa Claus's lap. Yes, you probably do. <laughs> that, Santa, you can't, you can't have kids Christmas without Santa. <laughs> And this is causes right there, of yes. course. Yes. Um, but we just, our department really, it's not a love. Hey, I love it. There are some staff, you know, that is like, okay, here we go. But every event we have, I also tell our staff, if you need a moment, 
walk away. If, you, mm-hmm. if you're having a moment, that's even in the days we're having a bad day. I've had people come to me and say, hey, it's a lot today. I, I just can't. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. So I want to recognize that in myself, too, because there's days I'll, I'll do the same thing and go, I'm done today. I just I can't do anymore. And I think it's just knowing when to walk away and recharge, refresh. I personally love the beach. I can go sit on the beach for just an hour, and it, like, recharges my whole life and my soul and everything in me. Mm-hmm. So I know what works for me, and I also get my staff to – we we turn in, like, a list of our favorite things and different items, what people like, their candies and all different kind of stuff like that. So we try to do little pick-me-ups and mm-hmm. – it's just bringing everybody out together because I can tell when we're all going in too many directions because it's a group effort. Everything that we do is a group effort. And when we feel like we're getting just too far out on our own, then it's like I can tell we just have to reel it back in. Some, Even if it's a lunch together, we'll do some team building, just some something to bring some laughter mm-hmm. and just to bring it back bring in. it reel it back in together yeah bring it back in because i think sometimes you can get lost right mm-hmm. you can get lost in the day-to-day demands and things and forget why am i putting myself through this you know mm-hmm. and so sometimes it's good to have those moments where you're like okay let's just pause mm-hmm. it'll still be there yeah. and we just gotta we all need to take a deep breath yeah, that's that's super healthy, Amanda. And I think that's something that doesn't apply just to family services. I think that from speaking to and knowing lots of people here at tribal government that work in a lot of different areas, like there is a stress load on everybody. And I read something, I'm not going to get it right, but <clears throat> it's a quote by Mark Twain. And I'll look it up later. But um, basically it talks about, you know, the the tragedy to a child who lost their teddy bear is the same tragedy of a king who's lost his crown. Both of it is a tragedy for each person. And I think that equates to the stress level that we feel. Like, your stress level may be based around different circumstances than mine, we're both experiencing stress. And I think that just finding those healthy ways to cope to just say, look, I can't do more today. All right. And if you're constantly pouring out helping others, you've got to at some point in time, you've got to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Because like I say, a lot of the people that we have doing the different areas that are specialists and coordinators in relation to abuse or specific programs, I mean, they have a heart to help people. So we just go, 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 and you you have to make yourself stop to take care of yourself as well because it never ends. And like I say, the challenge, making sure we take care of ourselves at work is because most of us are still doing the same similar things outside of work. So they're trying to help in the community, and so it, it just never stops. So. It's kind of like um, on an airplane, they tell you to put on your mask before mm-hmm. you put on the person next to you their mask. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone right. else. Exactly. That's so true, Katie. And 
I mean, it's so like I think Katie and I have been working together too long because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're kind of like that um, work couple that we can almost finish each other's sentences. Because <laughs> I was just about to say, you know, you you have if you're not if you haven't taken care of yourself first, that is mm-hmm. not selfish. Like first and foremost, that is not a selfish yeah. thing to do because if you haven't taken care of you, you're really not going mm-hmm. to do that other person or that family or that program service right. like the justice that it deserves because you can only give like maybe 25% of your energy to it because you haven't taken care of self first. Right. 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 Um, so Amanda, I know that we've talked about like the domestic violence component um, and, and even touched a little bit on some child welfare, you know, things too. Uh, so is is domestic violence a real issue in our community? It is a real issue. I think domestic violence is in every community. I will say, since I have started working in 2009 up until now, I will say I don't know if it is because of more resources. I don't know if it is because of more awareness in the community, but I do feel like people are reaching out more to get help because I think domestic violence has always been there. It's Mm -hmm. nothing new. None of these crimes or anything, I mean, drug use is nothing new. Abuse is nothing new. There just was a time where I think people did not speak about anything that went on inside the home. You never, I mean, you just would not know any different. So I want to, I guess, applaud people for getting out and getting help more. So I do think we're seeing more people reaching out. Um, You know, we have a wonderful health clinic and we have mental health. uh, We have some counselors on hand and on staff. We don't have any... um, when you mentioned Frank earlier, so he he was actually, you know, a licensed um, counselor. So we used to have a couple on staff, but we have people working towards that now. And a lot of what we do really is just giving, if you're walking through something with a person, a lot of what we do, even in these situations, some people want to leave and don't know how or where to even start. Mm-hmm. So just helping them have the strength to take the first step just to report it even or to admit that it happened is a big deal for some people. And then if they need shelter, we can shelter them. If they need help, even we can do financial assistance because domestic violence does not only happen to women, but it is primarily um, women who are victims. And if a man is controlling every aspect of their life, they don't have a job, they're not allowed to do this, um, you know, talk to the ladies in the room. You get a strong, empowered uh, Native woman. She's a, a force to be reckoned with. So um, a lot of what we do, I mean, just getting someone the confidence enough to feel strong enough to go get a job. Hey, mm-hmm. I can do this. We've mm-hmm. had people that we worked with, and they say, you know what? Something just hit me. I'm not staying with them anymore because I realized I can work. I can take care of the kids, and I'm not going to come home and deal with this, too. And it's like a light switch sometimes, but I think statistics, and and Frank uh, used to be one of the people that talked a lot about this, how many times people do go back to an abuser before they actually will leave. A lot of people, if they have children together, they will stay. 
And that just makes it harder. It does. It does. You're throwing other lives into it at that point. Mm-hmm. And then there, I know people personally that as their children get older, they become more protective. So if you start seeing mom being abused, then the children are going to start stepping up at some point in time and say, you're not hitting my mom anymore, if they're not already being abused. And then you have potential for more abuse. And so it is, it's just a cycle that I know if we can just, break that cycle and we were just talking about with our staff this week what works for one person does not necessarily work for another person and the way that we have to assist someone is not going to be the exact same way some people it is going to take longer to work things out some people as long as they can just get out of the house then they can move on so it's different for each person that we work with Right, because whenever you're talking about issues like abuse, it's, it doesn't work like amoxicillin and antibiotics. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, I've got this infection, I just need an antibiotic. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. Um, for some people, it's, hey, I just need somebody to talk to. And then talking to that person lends itself to trusting that person. Trusting that person lends to the, you know, and then for some other people, it's like, I'm ready to get out. I'm ready to get out now. I need a place to go. Mm -hmm. I want to change my identity. I want to do this. I want to go and protect. Like, they're ready. They've already made up their mind, and they're ready to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, for some people, it's something else, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, I cannot also imagine how, frustrating that could be too to know we have all these resources it's right there at your fingertips and you just have to have the courage to do it i think for me i did not realize how huge um domestic violence sexual assault sexual abuse was and in the native american community specifically until i watched that movie wind river Mm -hmm. and i think that first of all if you've never seen that movie it is very graphic it is definitely not intended for a younger audience at all. Um, and if you're a person that um, has has been a recipient of any kind of rape or abuse or domestic violence, this this movie could be triggering for you for sure. But having said all that, I think that Wind River, at least for me, helped raise awareness about missing murdered indigenous women. Mm-hmm. And um, and also what I think ties into that too, and I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about it or not, but is a VAWA, Violence Against Women Act, and how we have seen this slow, incremental, but progress. It, you know, progress is progress. And just noticing how there have been more efforts surrounding how do we raise awareness? How do we implement some action and put some teeth in the job that's already being done, but from a legal perspective, too? How do you hold these people accountable? How do you hold um, perpetrators accountable for the bad behavior that they are engaging in? And so for me, as a Native American woman, but just as a Native American period, and knowing that it's a much larger issue than what I had even recognized, knowing that there's been there have been these movements um, 
you know, like I said, missing and murdered Indigenous women, and then VAWA also. I mean, I think that's such an encouragement. I can imagine that's probably, it's never where you want it to be, but it's further than where it once was. Yeah, we actually, when Wind River came out, and I don't know if you attended, but we rented out one of the theaters from our Wind Creek Casino, and we actually played the movie. Um, I want to think it was in April because that's Sexual Assault Awareness Month, so we did it for something like that because I kind of feel the same way that I thought it was a it is a it's a Hollywood version, but it brought to light a lot of it. Our tribe is not exactly like that tribe, but the jurisdictional things are an issue. And the sentence at the end of Wind River that got me, because if you're a native female and it said there is no, I think it said there's no statistic to record the number of missing. So you felt like, I, okay, I don't matter if I disappear, where do I go? Mm -hmm. And... I even have to train our staff because they go, oh, it's not my jurisdiction because on the reservation we do have, you know, full tribal jurisdiction. It does matter where a crime occurs on reservation or off reservation, if it goes through the state or federal. And then, you know, directors, we have to get bogged down in all of that. But at the same time, there's still someone who's been abused. There's still a child there that may need somewhere to go there's still a woman there that needs somewhere to go and been abused so rather than get caught up in the jurisdictional issues we'll get that figured out you get that person safe Mm -hmm. you get them where they need to be and abuse doesn't just affect that one person it affects usually the whole family it can affect the generation before and after uh, a lot of things and so the good thing about Wind River is it talks about all of those things, mm-hmm. the jurisdictional issues. Uh, a lot of people don't know tribal courts cannot prosecute felonies. Mm-hmm. So if it is a felony that even occurs on reservation land, then it goes federal. to federal court. Mm-hmm. So it is there are several steps. Now, I will say also, we over the past several years, we have had to work to build a better relationship with all of law enforcement, with our courts, with everyone because law enforcement is usually the first responders, you know, to any crime. Our firemen do a good job as well because they will, if they walk on to a scene and they notice even, I've gotten, there's more so maybe what home conditions are like for children. Mm-hmm. Um, but the same with law enforcement and fire. If they see something, they usually let us know. We go out and check because not only if, we try to, if there's something we can prevent, again, if we need to go check sure. on a family, see what's going on before it leads to this worst-case scenario, mm-hmm. abuse, and then murder or death yeah. of someone who really just, I don't know, it well, it's it brought like, it to light in yeah. a good, good and, way. And it's, and it's like in health care, you know, prevention mm-hmm. is the best course of action. Right. You know, you don't want to wait until you got diabetes to try to fix it. You yeah. want to try to prevent it, Yeah. you know. You don't want to wait until you have a heart attack. You want to try to mm-hmm. prevent it by, you know, eating healthy exercise and so on and so forth. Um, I have a question okay. for you. Um, so, like, I was listening to this other podcast, and then they were talking about, like, kind of like jurisdiction when it mm-hmm. comes to, like, Native Americans um, with the state or local agency, whatever. Um, and it was a Native girl had gone missing um, on the reservation. And... They couldn't get 
an Amber Alert out because there were so many extra steps that they had to take because it was on the reservation. It was a native uh, law inf- or law agency that mm-hmm. was dealing with this, and the communication between them and the local agencies just wasn't working. So it was like 24 hours before, 24 to 48 hours before the Amber Alert even went out. So do you have to deal with any kind of stuff like that, like when it comes to the jurisdiction stuff? Um, I will say currently it's not as bad an issue as it has, again, just from when I started in 2009. But that took, when I say all of us, I mean anybody that deals with a first responder situation, our social services, because the people who were directors before me – Martha and then Miss Carolyn White had also worked at DHR, so she knew a lot of resources. We have all worked very hard to build better relationships with the state agencies, the local agencies, so that they do understand. We have hosted trainings so that they know the difference, because I didn't even know this until some of our staff used to work at DHR, that even the school, Huxford, which we all know because we're from this community is not here but they used they said they were always told not to even respond to a child abuse report from there because they thought it was an all tribal school and it's very obviously a county school in the county school board district but that is what they were being taught and so we have all grown (laughs) i'll just say that it I could, I could see where that could happen because we had we had to be very, very intentional. Our law enforcement over the past several years has been very intentional because we're cross-deputized, mm-hmm. so the county, state, and I think we're actually beyond the county now to where because of our Montgomery properties, I think they were trying to do something even statewide. We have a better relationship with the state of Alabama and our local counties I think than we ever have, but we really have to be intentional to pursue that. We have been invited for future like social work conferences as well, just so that the courts can even learn more about ICWA, which is the Indian Child Welfare mm-hmm. Act, so mm-hmm. jurisdiction on those as well. Um, everyone is so busy in the state. Even what we tell them is like, look, we may not have the caseload that you have, And we may not be able to do all the things that you do, but if it's their jurisdiction, and I don't want to get too (laughs) technically detailed, but tribal members and the state can even request to move a jurisdiction to our court Mm. in certain cases. But even if it's not our jurisdiction, if it's working with a tribal family, we can help them. We can work with them. They don't have to live on the reservation, so I probably do need to make that very clear. Mm -hmm. Someone does not have to live on the reservation for us to assist them. You know, some of our programs are limited just to tribal members or tribal families, but if there is a way that we can help someone, we're going to help them, even if it's partnering, you know, with DHR and the state or the local law enforcement. We don't have... um, a large shelter because Escambia County, Alabama doesn't even have a, we have animal shelters, but we don't have a human shelter at all. So we have to partner even if we were to need to place someone out of our area in a shelter or women's shelter, it would be Mobile County mm-hmm. or Baldwin County. That is where, and then we also partner in Escambia County, Florida. So we don't have like a large or multi-resident 
um, shelter in Escambia County at all. But we can get people to resources. We can assist them. Um, but we've had to build those relationships and work on them. Um, I'll say all the, the local shelters are, are very um, – they serve on our task force as well. Mm-hmm. That It's funny you mentioned that I have a sticky note on my computer right now just because there's a lot of things that we weren't meeting before, and it kind of just got, you know, pushed – pushed down the list or we were in transition that we were still doing the work but the extra meetings and things mm-hmm. so dv task force is next <laughs> on the list to to make sure that we we don't let that slip away yeah. either because it's so important and like i said i learned so much just from being on that task force but that was going to be something else that i was going to mention is what do you wish people knew when it came to family services, number one, and number two, if someone, male or female, if they are in need of help, how do they get in contact with our family services folks? Um, family services, um, are you can always call the tribe directly at our, our main number and just ask for family services. We have an on-call rotation schedule, mm-hmm. so we always have one of our staff members that if an emergency comes up after hours when we are not at work, the our local uh, porch police dispatch has all of our contact, all of our information, and they will reach out to us. If they can't get one of us, they will try to get another. And so if we're not here on site, then, then we have an on-call rotation for so what's 24 hours. What's the number for um, after hours? Our, ma- our dispatch number, the main one is um 251 Three six eight five zero one one. I started to say the address. I always go to get it backwards, but it's um yes, it is five zero one one. And so that's the after hours. Yes, and then um, during normal business hours, they can just call the main porch line, which is two five one three six eight nine one three six. Yes, that's, that's correct. For family services. Mm-hmm. Yes. And if all else fails, dial 911. That's right. And if it's a true emergency or a violent situation, yes, because even there's some situations. We're not doctors. We're not nurses. So we're going to do the best that we can when we arrive. But if you need immediate medical or law enforcement, when in doubt, call law enforcement Mm -hmm. because at least they can secure a situation. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So I know that we've talked about a lot of different issues. We've talked about child abuse we've talked about sexual abuse we've talked about domestic domestic violence and elder abuse and all of those um all of those different things and thankfully we've also touched on all the fun community events that you guys um take part in too and, and because it's not just about all of the difficult heavy things that are going on it's also about how do you bring community together how do you bring families together in a fun safe healthy activity as well so i really commend family services for the work that they do day in and day out and for also focusing just as much on bringing families together as they do in helping during those really difficult hard situations too um But having said all of that, one thing that we haven't talked a lot about is foster care. Is there a need for foster care and adoption here in our community? Well, that is something that that is probably one of the areas that uh, I don't want to say it's a little more challenging because I mentioned ICWA earlier. The only children that family services or any tribe can actually 
assume legal custody of, like say if a state DHR were to go in and remove children from the home because they are in an abusive or neglect situation, we can only take custody of enrolled tribal member children. Mm -hmm. So we cannot assume custody as family services of non-tribal children. So even first-gen or descendant children, we can't take legal custody of. Now, what we would normally do, what we do in those situations, again, we may partner with DHR, but also to keep them out of being in the state's custody or the tribe's custody, we do try to research family members first, and if we can place them and do a a safe relative placement first, that is what we do um, just to get some a child in a safe environment quickly. We do have certified foster families that we as family service family services qualify as foster homes through our department. Um, we used to have about eight or ten homes, and we have eight or about eight or ten families, and that's enough for us because we honestly don't have to assume custody of children very often. Mm-hmm. That is where it is a good thing that we know family, we know connections, we can usually find someone to take the children in, uh, and we don't have to put them into care. And so adoptions on the reservation, there have been some adoptions, but the children that I know that have come into foster care through family services, it is very rare that those children get adopted um, just because I think a lot of tribes view adoption a little bit differently unless it is a family member adopting Mm -hmm. them. If it's not immediate family because for you to adopt a child means that a parent's rights have been terminated. Mm-hmm. So they have to be legally terminated or it has to be a, a willing adoption, which is not the case in abuse and neglect situations. Mm-hmm. So we don't, I have never known of our tribe through foster care to have children adopted because that severs, like they're tied to their tribal pair, or you don't want to terminate those specific sure. rights. Um, they may just not live with their parents mm-hmm. or they'll stay kind of technically in foster care or we can also grant custody to another person but you still didn't terminate because a parent then would in turn have the right still then to appeal sure if, if their if their situation were to change that's just not something yeah. we talk a lot about it's not um and i just i was kind of curious about that and i just mm-hmm. want to because i know that that is part of what family services does right. mm-hmm. and that's covered under family services so i just wanted to yeah. t- uh, touch on that yeah. briefly what is the future of family services look like um well that is hard hard to say but i dare to say it would be more of the same but growing our resources and the ways that we can help people as the tribe grows resources and that we enhance our services it a lot of what we do also is just connecting the dots and just letting people where know where to go to get assistance And so I think as other departments grow and enhance services, so do we. Um, I would like to see where we are getting more involved hands-on with, like, the holistic care, Mm and which we are doing now. Um, But the foster care and adoption, we just don't have as many tribal children, so we don't have the massive number of cases on Mm -hmm. that. But I think we are getting better at doing – with our domestic violence cases and the victims we're working with, we had to change our mindset too, as far as not 
we, we were not judging, but putting in our mindset a time frame, a specific time frame, I want this done by this day mm-hmm. or that day. Like we stated earlier, it just takes diff- people different lengths mm-hmm. of time to get their family healthy, not just themselves. Sure. And so um, there's different things that we want to work on just to enhance some of the programs that we have because we're, we're in all these different areas, but there are definitely some improvements. Is there anything that the community can do to help or support the efforts that Family Services is doing? And if so, what would those things look like or be? Community-wide, I do believe it would just honestly be reporting and getting the information to us. If you are currently helping someone that's in a situation and you don't know what to do, don't feel like as you're helping that person, you have to do it alone either. So Mm. because sometimes, you know, families, they can just become exhausted from helping their family. And so when we're partnering and helping each other or when we receive a report, it's anonymous. We don't have to say where it came from. We don't say where we get reports from. A lot of times I do tell people, if you want me to be the bad guy, I'll go be the bad guy because if it needs to be addressed, Mm-hmm. We're going to do it, but we're going to do it together. So sure. um, I think just knowing if someone is in a bad situation, and the hard part and the challenge here is remembering what you, if you didn't see it, it may not be the truth. We're going to help filter through the truth. We're going to help find the truth, but we're also going to try to get that person safe or get them the help that they do need. Um, but things that go unreported, if we don't know about it, we can't help whoever's reporting and we can't help the victim that needs help. So I would say reporting and just making or encouraging that person to get help. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes people, again, we had a breakfast this morning and or not this morning, Monday morning. And there was a list of things that says if she stays or if she goes. So there's this whole list of things that people in the community might say if you stay with that person. There's a whole list of things that people in the community might say if you leave that person. Mm -hmm. So as a community, if we could just even support each other to get help or be in healthy relationships and not stay with the person for the wrong reason mm-hmm. and even supporting people because people do care what you're going to say about them when they leave Absolutely. or when they, they have to make life changes for their safety. When you, No one really knows what's going on in that home mm-hmm. except the, the person who's living that. That's right. So just supporting the person who is in that situation or letting us know if it's something we need to go out and check on, that mm-hmm. we will be more than gladly to go check on something. Because you never know what's going on behind closed right. doors and best not to make assumptions or judgment calls. Right. Yes. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for being here with us today. I think this has been both educational and really enlightening for me as well, just to focus in on what these issues look like here in the porch community. But also on a broader scale, what are some other things that, you know, we have had going on on a nationwide level and in the Native American community? So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your experience and your expertise with us today. And I am really hopeful and and prayerful that there's going to be some words that were shared here today that will be just immensely helpful to people now and in the future, too. So thank you so much. Thank you all for having me. And again, I just am glad that 
the more the message gets out, I think the more people will turn to get help. So thank you guys. Thank you for listening to A Place Called Porch. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can visit our website, porchcreekindians.org, for more information, or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram.